Good evening and welcome to On The Edge. Uh, my name is Ben, I'm your host. With me this evening, uh, we have our usual United fans, Niall and Alan, who will be joining us again. And tonight, Hello. over to avoid relegation, much like his beloved Burnley side, is Jake. Hello. Um, in this episode, we're going to be covering a couple of things. Um, we're going to be starting off with Burnley's season so far. And we've got a special question from our deluded Burnley fan, Jake. We do indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, you think we're joking, what, mate? <laughs> what I want to talk about now, this is not just due to this season. This is for the past four or five years. And I just want to get your thoughts on how impressed are you with Burnley in the past few seasons? <laughs> no, no, wait, wait for it, wait for it. Considering on how much we've spent in the last five, six years, the fact that majority of the players are still championship quality, yet still look comfortable each season. Oh, the word comfortable needs to be used loosely. You've had one good season. <laughs> well, we've, we've been miles away from relegation each time we've been in. Eventually, but you're always down there for, for at least a little while. Mm, this season has, yeah. This season, the season you were in Europa, you was. But we'll ignore it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fair enough. This- Do you know what? Go on. I want to, I, to be fair, I think we would all have a lot easier time talking about how good and how impressive Burnley have been. If you weren't such a bell end, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true. To be fair, um, no, uh, to, like you know, putting that aside and stuff, like, all banner aside, you've got to give credit where it's due to Burnley because, I mean, how much have they spent, Jake? You should know. I think it's been a net spend over the last seven years about fifty-six million. I'm told that net spend's not relevant, though. That's what people tell me all the time. <laughs> Yeah, but we haven't really sold much people. Have I mean, we? to be fair, we, yeah. we've sold Keenan <laughs> for thirty. Uh... Which, by the way, if there's anything else you're going to be impressed about in the whole of the Premier League history in your time, Michael Keane <laughs> for thirty million. <laughs> pretty good achievement, to be fair. Yes, it was a steal, wasn't it? <laughs> Laughing all the way to the bank. They should get you like it. If Liverpool do end up going the full length this season and getting a, a golden trophy, we should cut it in half and give a bit of it to you just for making anybody <laughs> spend 30 million on Michael shit indeed. <laughs> um, but no, um, Burnley, they, you know, they've been impressive. Usually sides that come up and they do what Burnley do, you know, this whole rugged, you know, we're not going to play a lot of attractive football, but we're not going to get beat. They, yeah. they get found out after a while. Um, and whilst you're not knocking down any doors for Europe anytime soon, realistically, anyway, I mean, I know you're not too far off of the points needed at the moment, but I don't yeah. think most people would say that you are. Um, yeah. it, it has to be said, it has been an, a really, really impressive job um, that Sean Dyche has done there. Um, I think you've got to look at it in, in the way that. like, um, yeah, fair enough, you do stay up. You are always down there, though. Like, I'm, I'm, apart from the one season you had like that good season, but like, yeah, I feel like bum time, don't they? At some point in always, the season, always do. <laughs> Did you mean squeaky bum time, yeah, not squeak. itchy bum time? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like if you look at how much we've spent on top, well, compared to other teams that are being relegated or look to be relegated, you look at they've spent what two hundred fifty. To, between Fulham, for me, Fulham were a really tried to come out there and tried to play attacking football and it just never worked out. They had a, they had a squad. The Fulham one was weird. Not a team. Yeah, the Fulham one was weird because they pretty much went, "Oh yeah, you know, you guys have took us up. <laughs> Fuck all of you guys." Yeah, essentially. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm buying a new Andre Scherler on a two-year loan. <laughs> I thought that was a great piece of business until I realised how shit he's gone. Sorry. So did I. I thought that was class, to be fair. But um, yeah, <laughs> they just kind of they threw away any sort of shape or any kind of way of playing, and that's thing. I think one thing that's played into Burnley's hands is that they haven't tried to be anything that they're not. I don't, they haven't. You know, they don't play. They, they didn't get. They do play better football yeah. now. Now, but I, I won't even say it's great football. No, yeah. A lot, no, especially but, when they when. 
Oh, when they get rugged in and they need to like sit back, they just do resort back to that lump. Oh, form yeah, they will do, yeah. And hope that they can get something on the end of it. Yeah, because you're going to argue, you try to play it a better, more attractive way, but if it isn't working, you need to grind it out. You go back to what you know, don't you? Like I say, I'm impressed. The thing is, that they haven't gone down. That's my main impression with them. Like, cause you would yeah. have thought the way they play and how they get on, and like, like say, the transfer market, you'd have thought they'd be doomed. And to you'd be say it's long overdue, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, if you said to me, Burnley go down in next year, I would be like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You can, yeah. yeah, you'd expect it, wouldn't you? I mean, it has to be said, though, at the end of the day, as good as they are, you're not going to get players like Goodmanson and Hendrick or Cork to be, you know, you're not going to turn them into Iniesta. So, <laughs> Fucking hell, you know, they're, they're is, that's what I mean. But so, you know, it's good that they've managed to stick to what they know and they've stayed up as a result of it. And it's also especially good that they've managed to survive having at the club because you know, he's just a fucking disaster for anybody now. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I think there's a lot of uh, credit where it's due to Burnley. Um, they've got some good players. I worry about if they lose the likes of Tarkovsky and Dwight yeah. McNeil. I think, um, I think they could I think be in a lot of trouble. I think it'll be interesting as well if they lose any of the big strikers, like your big strong strikers who they're going to bring in. There's not many players like that nowadays. So I'm sure we'll bring Crouch back <laughs> from retirement again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And did they bring in in January? Did bring anyone in, Jake? Yeah, we brought in Josh Brownell from just the one City. signing. Young lad, isn't he? Just the one. What's new looking? So that's that's one that's one good player anyway. So you were two good players off Europe, yeah. <laughs> so who's the next one? Yeah, we're John Linton from Newcastle. Um, ideally, <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we said good players. Oh, sorry. sorry, I know that the line might not be the best, but. Who's the second one then? Where are we going with that? What do you want to see? It's. I'd I'd like to see potentially a right winger. Like, any idea? If you say Jane and Sancho, mate, yeah. Come on, Jake. This is your bit. It's your club. If it was, if If your club, if it was before, (laughs) if it was before the window, I would have said Jared Bowen because we were looking at him for the last year and a half. They haven't gone out for him. Surely can't take a lot to tempt away from fucking Hall. Why didn't you just go in? It's Burnley aren't it's the types. <laughs> Burnley aren't the type of team you to want... just spend twenty million pounds on a young prospect risking your strong, it on, on some... winger. All right, yeah, cool. <laughs> let him, let him, yeah, let him finish, yeah. Alan. Like we, we're not that type of club. We want someone who's yes, we want someone who's quite older with that experience, but we are looking to get someone. Slightly younger, you're looking at 24, 25. Reason why Jeff Brownell's coming. And Jake, is just out of interest as well, um, you've got like some kind of role amongst Burnley, haven't you, within the club of uh, some sort of data uh, research role or something? Yes, I. Yes, but that's where obviously a football manager. Yeah, and not the club themselves. But you couldn't give us any example of any sort of player that you would like to buy that's actually available on the market. <laughs> and not only that, right, this was your segment about your own club oh, yeah, you asked yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so plays I'd expect to leave this year, well, this summer even, um, I could see Marsley going. Lennon. Possibly Eric Peters to be going. Lennon. So we, we do have three key players that I want to say key players. <laughs> Three key, three areas that would need to improve on. Now, I'd like to see us bring in Josh, uh, Jaden Bogle, like yeah. I mentioned last week. Mm. Um, it's really tough. But see, the you've named two players there, and both are in the championship. That's not, not a good anymore. sign. Uh, not anymore. Are they not though? Uh, are they not? I'd say Jared Bowen and Jaden like, Bogle are we're, we're, we've been looking I'd say at... they're up there for definitely. They're better than championship. Yeah, because they're young. They're better than championship. They might be now. Yeah, but he's safe the championship players now. Jaden Borg was, what, 18, 19 years old? 
but by the time he's 22, 23, he could be a really or he good could Premier just flop. League like, that's, a, that's the risk you take when signing young. Yeah, and that's the risk Burnley Woolnhart take. It's ridiculous. But it's the most frustrating no, thing about being a that's Burnley fan. That's the most frustrating going, thing about being a fucking it, Burnley fan. That. <laughs> going, going back to it, though, like oh, Bill mentioned last week, if you get a signing like that wrong, it can end you up in real yeah. dire straits. And to be fair, exactly. Billing, who we were talking about when he said that, had a great game on Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday whatever it was, Sunday. He had, a, he had a cracking game against Sheffield United, but even then, he still looked culpable. He still looked like you could get at him and stuff like that. Even in a good game, if you get these signings wrong, it can be disastrous. And unfortunately, I just... Exactly. You know, you, you, like, like Jake said, unfortunately, Burnley can't take that risk. They can't go and lump out on a fucking um, young player, no matter how much potential he's got. But let's face it, all of our opinions, we're all football manager players. That's what brought us all together. All of our opinions on Jada Vogel, <laughs> they're not brought out of any experience of having watched a load of Derby County games, no. are they? You might have watched a few you may have watched a few more since Rooney came back, especially the uh, the dark red side of the fucking podcast mm. over there. But um <laughs> No, I, I've watched a bit of Jaden Bogle over the past year. I, and a half. I'll keep an eye out for him when he's on a when he's in a game. But you know, our experience of him is is, is in football manager, and football manager is not often wrong, but it can get it wrong sometimes. sometimes. So, I signed I signed Catroni uh, uh, in the Premier League, and he absolutely smashed it. Unfortunately, not quite gone that way for him at Wolves. It's just another example of the things that can happen in these situations, but. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's difficult for Burnley. It's difficult to know where you go next because there will come a point where you've got to look and think, well, what way in the table are you going to start climbing? Because there's so many big clubs yeah. above you. And, you know, what, what happens? At what point does Sean Dyche have to ask the question of how far have I taken this club and how far can I take it, realistically? I think, I think once the club understands that they are safe financially, because obviously, if we got relegated now, we've got a maximum of two years to get back into the Premier League, else we're living off scraps. Yeah, but again. you've really, you've really so, built on your facilities now, though, haven't you, as well, in your youth? Yes, I know, but I'm just saying, like, that £120 million, we make, I think it's about £30 million profit altogether after the turnover. That money will be pretty much saved in case we go down, essentially. Because I don't know how much turnover you could possibly earn in the championship. I think it's like 60, 70 million, which is half of what you earn so now. How, how many years do you so, give so it so then? It's, it's stagnating in mid-table. They already are, aren't they? That's what I'm saying. So how many years do you give that before you think... That's the question, and I think that's the big problem that Burnley have got, because when they, if, if it gets to a point where Sean Dyche goes, right, I've taken this club as far as I can, which I think might be the mentality that Eddie Howe's coming to now yeah. at Bournemouth. Um, you know, at that point, where, where do you go from there? What happens, you know? You consolidate, I, I, try and play more expensive football and attracting, you know, foreign players. Like, what do you do? Yeah. Do you knuckle down? I, I, think, I think this summer will probably be the summer we might spend quite a bit of money. Take a punt. Because we I think because I think we've only spent I think it's like fourteen million pounds this year. It shows though. You can't say it doesn't show. I think anyway. Uh, you've not been whale beaters this year. Oh no, it, it does show. No, but, but then look at the club. The reason Sorry Jay, go on. Go on. No, you go on. Look at the clubs he have spent more, yeah. and it doesn't show for them. Do you know what I mean? There's something as well to be said for spending shrewdly, um, knowing what your team is about, and knowing what they can and can't do, and what to expect from teams in the Premier League. And that's what Sean Dyche has in in uh, absolute spades. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, you know, as much as we want to talk down Burnley, I think mostly just because Jake is a villain. Um, <laughs> you know, Burnley are on 31 points. They are five point four points off of the European places. Wow. Yep. And the teams above them all can drop points. 
Arsenal drop points all the time. That's we'll come just outside the, the league is this season, though, isn't it? It's yeah. fairly consistently, especially recently. One win in the last five for Wolves. Man United, one win in the last five, including four wow. losses. Uh, three losses, sorry. Um, you know, so there are teams above them that are capable, that are culpable. You know, so there is a good chance that they could push on towards Europe, which I think is going to move me nicely onto my next point, which is the most recent entrance into the unlikeliest ever top four race. Um, <laughs> and I mean, no, well, I mean a bit of disrespect because partly I'm talking about Everton. Um, but I mean, I mean, no major disrespect to Sheffield United. But if you'd have offered either of those clubs at the start of the season to be fifth and seventh after 26 games, respectively, you'd have, most of their fans, would, I imagine, would have snapped your hands off. Even in the top Sheffield half, United, snap your hands off. Because they had high expectations at the start. Everton, yeah, Everton was hoping. Yeah, Everton should not snap your hands no, off for top half with the amount they of money that they've spent. Well, and that's the thing, though. It's not well, beyond them. Any stretch of the in his last I said he'd do well. I said he'd do well. Yeah. I think we all knew. We all knew that he was a class, class manager. He's a really, really top class act. I don't think anybody expected no, Sheffield no, United no, to no, do no. this well. Um, <laughs> no. Let's let's talk about them a little bit. Did any of you watch the I game? I missed it, so um, I can't. yes, yes, I watched the game. Yes, it's just. I really like them. I really, really like them. They've got a completely unique way of playing. Um, I mean, some of their centre-backs can whip a ball in better than most full-backs in the league. I've, I've never seen anything like it with the under, uh, underlapping centre-backs. Well, it's, it's, it's like their centre-backs are pretty much wingers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, really, truly unique. But things, teams just don't know how to deal with no, it. No, they don't, they don't seem to be able to get found oh, out, no. which I'm really surprised. I thought they would have been found out by now, personally. I thought they'd be starting to drop. Yeah, but, definitely. Hitness like might can drop now, but they, no one's working them out, are they? Really? No, so I don't know if it's like, if if he's like, if well, there's that good of a tactician that he outmanages all the other teams, or if the team is just playing with that sort of togetherness that just says, no matter how good you play, we're going to play better. Well, the, the, the thing I like about them as well is they never seem to know when they're beat. Bournemouth gave them a really, really good going on Sunday. They, I, I watched the game and they were, they were yeah. all over them. They really did get at them and... Um, you know, but they they just kept going. They believed in the system. Everybody kept pulling for each other and stuff like that. And I thought it was interesting as well because um, Sander Berger. Yeah, shocker! Didn't um, he I didn't watch it, but he, he didn't play amazingly, and he got hooked off for John Lundstrom, who was obviously a fixture in the team at the start of the season when they were smashing it. And he came on and obviously went on to score the winner. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what they do about the record signing situation because it's a difficult one to manage for any sort of manager, isn't it? Because when you're in that situation and you know that you've got you you've gone and lumped like for, I mean for any club it's a big amount of money, but for Sheffield United in particular it's a it's a it's a really yeah. big amount of money on a fairly big name from Europe. The whole all of the crowd are buzzing about it. You know, early days yet for him, of course. But it'd be interesting to see where they go does from he there. Start, like, does he start because... next game, or do you drop him, or do what do you do? Like, well, yeah, does he stick? Well, the interesting exactly. start in that game was in no, the I'm... first half. They only had twenty odd percent pass completion ratio, Sheffield. But in the second half, they went up to eighty eight percent passing possession uh, completion. Yeah. So. Bournemouth pressed them in the first half all over the place. They really did try. You can tell that they are a team that are trying to dig themselves out but of the shit. But that Lundstrom um, and the other substitute were the one that changed that being second half substitutes as well? No. I mean, it helped, obviously. Um, but two players can't be responsible for a 60% increase. <laughs> like... Yeah, I don't... I'd, like it's obviously it makes a big difference because they're used to that. Well, Lundstrom's used to the way to play. I feel Sander Bay's got to get used to it, and I feel that that won't come for about another month or so. So I wouldn't yeah. expect pace like, of the Premier League as well. It, it was thrown in the so deep like end, yeah, but... it's literally signed what the thirty first of January and thrown in on a game and what the eighth. So he's had a week worth of training. The ninth, sorry, so he's had a week worth of training with them. So like if you that... got to look. 
So, yeah, so you got to look at it in the sense of, like, he doesn't know how to play. Like, he's got a big shot when it comes to how fast and how, like, rough the Premier League can be in yeah. the sense of, like, getting kicked about and stuff. Especially by a team like Bournemouth who are looking to, like, really dig in and give you a tough game. Yeah. So, I, I won't rate, I won't rule him out of anything. I think, given about a month, I think you might start seeing him kick on and become, like, what you'd expect more of it, more than that. But we've all seen him throw out yeah. what it can be. And um, begrudgingly, the other part of this conversation, Everton. Hey, Everton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the time that Carlo Ancelotti has been in charge, the only team to pick up more points than them of is the Mighty Reds. Is. Always fucking would be. But... Who else is going to be? Are you... <laughs> But no, let's not take away from Everton though how amazing that stat is. If, if if he'd have been in charge from the start of the season and had his own transfer window, imagine, imagine being sat here like just roll back the time Ancelotti manager of, of Everton, roll back the time now Everton first, Liverpool second, sat here in February. Fucking imagine the. Hey Ben, <laughs> who said, who said yeah. lovely Jake? Yeah, same <laughs> corner for you. Go hey. into the corner on Think that stat that you come up with. Um, <laughs> Everton lost eight of their last eleven games under Silver, and have just one defeat in the last ten since. Well, I mean, said all. <laughs> Do you know what though? I've got a feeling about this Everton team because we've still got to go. I, think I imagine. We got You've got to go, to go away to them, haven't you? Yeah, we've got to go to go away to them. Still probably unbeaten by that point. We've and got to go away the to them. I've just got a horrible feeling that Ancelotti's got us worked out and that's where the unbeaten run stops. Imagine, it, it, can't you win the title there as well? Like, in, if you win every game, don't you actually have a chance of winning the title there? Yeah. If they, um, Man City yeah. slip up. Yeah, we need City to drop points, but City have got United don't at Old Trafford don't hold at your breath. point as well. So. <laughs> no, but it's just imagine that. United beat City. Yeah, this is Man's Trafford. Fair, we've beaten twice yeah, out but... of three times this season. Exactly. Yeah, you've been beaten by Burnley yeah, well, this season as well. We don't do well against. We don't, but we're not talking about. We don't. United we don't do. We don't do we? well against relegation <laughs> candidates. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So I mean, you never know with Man United. To be honest, you don't know what side's going to turn up after. Time it's one, it's we're very inconsistent, but anyway, we're not on about United, we're on about Everton, so yeah, it's just it's been really interesting to see because there's not been any major changes that you can see. Yeah, um, he just changed the way to play, hadn't he? He had didn't bring anybody in the, no. in the window, uh, it just no major changes to the system, you know, still playing a similar sort of formation, but it must be something going into the coaching, I think, it's off that. the pitch. Because what a lot of people forget is that Carlo Ancelotti was an absolutely fantastic, fantastic player. Um, a really, really solid defender. Um, and I think that must be a big part would, of the difference. Is that they're I would say they've improved better. defensively, but then they went and conceded two goals against Newcastle in the 90th minute and threw away two-goal lead. Oh, so yeah. like... See, I've, I've got something on that myself. Was they, do, they do still look suspect at the back, in my opinion. That's- that's just the defenders have got Michael Keane. I thought yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally just been on this. But they still look shaky though, don't they? It's, even though they're doing well. They can still uh, also, I know I know we're on about heaven, but there's also a, sl- a slight neighbor and if a few more English strikers get injured, do we take Dominic Calvert Lewin to the Euros? He's putting them in the net now. A few no. more would have to get injured for me. He'd be he's quite way yeah. in the pecking order. Um he's done I'd, well, I'd rather take Rodriguez. Jay Rodriguez isn't even on the fucking shortlist, let alone down the pecking order. Well, you know what? I like Jay <laughs> I do, but he's not produ- producing the goods enough. When he does, he usually calls a screamer, but he's not doing it enough to be in that conversation at the minute. Not when you've got Kane, will probably be there or thereabouts Hopefully. fit by then. Tammy yeah. Abraham's more or less on the plane. Um, Jamie Vardy, whether or not he comes out of retirement, is in the discussion. Uh, Danny is in the discussion. Rashford, um, he played more of a winger recently. Marcus Rashford, if he's yeah, absolutely, because he can be an option as yeah. a striker as well. 
Um, you know, so there's there's quite a few different options that are available to him there before he even starts to think about uh, Dominic Cavalier. He's definitely in the discussion. Yeah, I feel like he just shows like a want to score. Like, he, he, really. he does show a want to score. I watched him in the uh, Everton Palace game and like when he misses the header and goes to the floor and he just straight away hops back up and goes for another diving header from Bernard's follow through. Like it just shows a want to bump, put the ball in the back of the net, which I feel like a lot of strikers don't show a lot of. Well, because I feel like he's missed it as well. <laughs> He's missed a bit of that from his game, um, you know, in terms of he missed the killer instincts. He's always ran his socks off. He's all, he's never given up on anything. He's he spent a couple, uh, you know, better part of a year and a half, two years chasing shadows at Everton now, you know, doing what he can for the team. And it always looked like he was a really limited player and it looked like he found another gear under Ancelotti in particular. Um, you know, he, he, he's doing all right. I just don't think he's got the quality that the rest of the names I just mentioned above him yeah. have. Um, it's difficult because I'm trying to look at this objectively, but all I can think <laughs> is about how is how much I hate Everton. Can some of you guys just jump in on this for me and just talk something um, positive? Well, they're, they're playing great football and started to put the ball in the net. Uh, I mean, whether it's Ancelotti's coaching or what he's doing, like with them in the sense of tactics, I feel like well, he's definitely done something to that Everton players, and then they're playing like a different side. Like it's the same set of eleven players that played under Marco Silva, but they don't look yeah. the same eleven players. That's because Marco's been over this. <laughs> you keep mentioning it. They've got more right? desire, aren't they, now? They look yeah, like they want to play. Maybe it's the Italian passion. Maybe he's like, fucking put some passion into him or something. Maybe but it's the uh, you've got You've got to imagine it comes as well from extra training, um, you know, getting the training right and stuff like that, because, you know, that passion's just, it is what it is, but it's the fitness and the... You know, that thing to keep going when you're yeah. bollocks and stuff like that. That only can come from getting the training right, getting the diet right. It's got to be like have a... Him on the diet. Like, I, know, I know obviously the dietitian and everything in football, but I feel like he'll have his own certain way of like, this is what you're going to eat, this is what we're going to do. Like, yeah. Maybe did around the area and offered them pizza to get to the Champions League. Fucking hell. <laughs> and also, what about fucking Barcelona? I don't know if you've touched on it, Barcelona coming in for a Charleston at the end of the transfer window. Yeah. I had that written down, man. Why yeah, didn't right. that we missed that last week in the trans window bit, unfortunately. But you know what? It's well worth part of the discussion because it is relevant to Everton. I've actually got something to say about what, it as well. Think, what, what uh, I'm getting from... utter bollocks. <laughs> well, no. The, th- the thing that concerns me, well, the two things that concern me about it, one is I, I was kind of, people were saying, oh, well, were they right to turn down the money and stuff? And most people are like, no, they're mad. They're stupid to turn down that money. And it's a lot of money for Richarlison. Let's not beat around the bush here. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to establish establish themselves as a big club again. Now, if they go sell their best player in a January transfer window on the last day with about four hours notice, which meant that they wouldn't have been able to probably replace him. So you think they would have sold him if it was earlier? Start the transfer window, 85 million for Richarlison. That's probably a conversation you need to have if you can source a suitable replacement. Because let's face it, Richarlison hasn't... He's a good player, but he hasn't set the world on fire. Now the rest of the season, he could be 100 million bid in summer. Well, that's it. But he's not the sort of player that if you look at him and go, could you get a better player than him for 100 million? Of course you could. He's He's not an irreplaceable player. But I think Everton have done strong by saying... We don't care that you're Barcelona. We don't care that it's four hours after the transfer window day. You're not coming in for our, arguably our best player at this point, no matter what the bid is. That is, is a main, that is a main thing for it. And I also think that, that Ancelotti might want to like build a team like around somebody like that young who can definitely improve and kick on. Possibly, yeah, exactly. And the, the thing is, is, that was the other thing that I was going to say, um, was that he's, he, you know, he could be part of a bigger plan that Ancelotti has there. And if they get better players in around him, he might actually produce a bit more than he's doing mm. at the moment. At the minute, if his service is coming from Theo Walcott... And <laughs> hey, it was a good ball from Walcott, though, last yeah, game. Got to give him that. Yeah, he does one good thing and gets subbed off I injured. I mean, even a broken clock is... <laughs> day, mate. You know what I mean? It's... He does one good thing and goes off injured. Yeah, great game. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Walcott, isn't it? Oh, and we've got... We've got to take a second to throw it to G- Gibral Sidibe. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> the sock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forgot his left sock. He had to go down a tunnel and get it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I thought he was a quality, quality player, and he hasn't really performed for Everton. I don't, I don't think. think well, um, I thought it was. A, I thought it was an absolutely outstanding signing. Um, but Go on. it doesn't. It doesn't appear to be working out. It doesn't. Um, he seems like he's dumber than a bag of rocks, to be honest, and uh, that's really just proves yeah, my point. He, yeah, he doesn't seem to do what you'd expect and uh, kick on in the sense of, like, you'd have thought, especially at Everton, he'd be a standout star there, and realistically, it hasn't been that. So... Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's, like, something to do with the mentality of him, if he thinks like he's better than them or whether or not, but he has not shown anything near what he's actually capable of. I just don't know if he's that clever. Um, he doesn't seem that very that clever a player. He got he got found out. I mean, they played him at wing back in the in the last game between Liverpool and Everton, and, and that's the only real barometer I have to go go on. I've seen him a few times since, and he's had sort of inconspicuous games without being awful. Yeah, he did get um, found out. Well, well Liverpool, though, to right. be fair, you smashed Everton to pieces. I think every single player got found out that game. So, yeah, like, that's true. like, we can't. I don't think that's a very good barometer to like base their opinion on that. No, yeah, probably probably not fair. Um, I just thought that he oh, was I getting do. better. I than agree he was. with you. I, do. I uh, thought he'd be better. And you know, they're not the only teams, obviously, in the race for the top four. Chelsea is still marginal favourites. Yeah, on that Chelsea. One. You got Spurs, um, United. I, I want, to be honest, I won't even put Arsenal in that conversation <laughs> right now. But that's me. Like, it was just the way that. Well, we're going to do, we're gonna, we're gonna do a bit about Arsenal. Later I'll on. save my opinion before then, but. So. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I mean, United are still in that discussion as well, to be fair. You've got to remember that where, the way the sh- table looks now, obviously, it looks great for Sheffield United, but they do have a game in hand, or everybody else does have a game in hand on them in terms of Tottenham, uh, Man United, the thing, Wolves, the Arsenal, thing with United is, you'd expect yeah, The thing with United as well is, like, every single time Chelsea support, we fucking support, it's getting annoying to watch and sit there and think, oh, Chelsea dropped points, guess what that means? We're going to draw or lose. And Sheffield United have bounced. Yeah, and where, yeah. where Sheffield United have kicked on and gone, Chelsea have dropped points, well, we're fucking game three. You know, fucking, we're on your heels. And it's really fucking annoying. But I think the good thing about, the good thing about this discussion, though, is it does give us the opportunity to talk about teams that we wouldn't normally, because Sheffield United have lost seven games oh, in the league this season, and Manchester City have lost six. Wow. Unreal. It's like, unreal. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know how he's done it. Like, you look at that season from City as well, though. Oh, still second, aren't they? Well, yeah, still second. You say poor season from City, they're second in the league. Like, yeah, but compared to the rest of the league, rather than the leaders, the rest of yeah, by no thing is by their own standards. It's regardless of the fact that I, I, you know, I love to harp on about this, of course. Regardless of the fact that Liverpool having a fucking outstanding season. By City's own amazing, amazing standards. Let's not beat around City the bush. For the last two years, for the last two years, that City team were arguably the best team we have ever seen in the Premier League, ever. Yeah. And for them to then have this drop off slightly, uh, you know, there's problems with them not really replacing company, and you know they've had a bit of bad luck with injuries, and they've had to rely on Fernandinho at centre back. And that's cost them. That no doubt cost oh. them a lot of points. They could probably go and win every game re- left now, but Liverpool need, win, need to win another seven games. Um, oh, you know, but... fingers crossed, boys. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't oh, see we, out we of the all... next. I mean, obviously, obviously, games, obviously I'm not going to sit here and say it's definitely going to happen, but like, I think it's like a, probably a million to one outshot. But I, I pray. I'm praying, boys. I'm praying. <laughs> <laughs> If it did ever happen, through. I don't think. Oh, you could never let it down. Like, the end of it. Real, realistically, right now, if you were if Liverpool, Liverpool bottled the league right now, like like we're sat here, I don't know, at end of March. I'm done with Premier League. Yeah, so like come happens. on, like there's no living that down. There's a Liverpool. There's just no point anymore. I'll still keep going to. The, I'll still keep going to the poppies. I'll still keep going to see Kettering, but that would be me done with Premier League football if that happens. But no. it's not going. <laughs> They're going to take away Bar and then you'll lose the title. <laughs> I think we might. <laughs> oh, shut up, you fucking knobhead. 
Do you know what, Jake? You're out of the shame corner. No, I will. Oh, no, 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 no. I was just about to say, I thought you were going to put me back in. <laughs> I thought I was getting away with that, then. <laughs> no, I know. You are not getting away with that. You are not getting away with that. <laughs> so if you could be quiet forever, um, then. <laughs> right, but that's. We've gone on to Liverpool now, inevitably, as we generally always, as I generally yeah. always do, tend to steer us in that way. And that's my prerogative as host. If you don't like it, shut up. <laughs> Um, but we're going to do a bit about um, the performance and what performance, to be fair, by Liverpool's youngest ever side um, in the FA Cup and what it means for the season going forward. Because I think for the most part, even Jurgen Klopp had written off uh, the FA Cup. He's never really historically, when when he's been at Liverpool, been bothered about the domestic no. Cups. Um, and much like it seems to his annoyance, we just keep winning in the cup. Um, it presents it with a bit of an awkward, well, not awkward situation, but an interesting situation in that there's the genuine chance now. I mean, it, it by no means, the league should be done. It isn't yet. I still haven't said it's done, but it should be. Oh, it. <laughs> Champions League it. is not a walkover. Athletic Madrid can beat anybody on their day. Oh, yeah. um, but... There's a genuine chance at a treble there, like a, like a legit, legit treble. Mickey Mouse treble. treble. Say it, the United treble. The United <laughs> treble. <laughs> we'll cling on to it. It's all we fucking got to cheer about. <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> so, you know, in clock shoes, taking off the United and Burnley bias, what, what, what would you do going forward? Because it does... You know, well, I mean, has it given things in terms of it's not a, an easily winnable game against Chelsea? So, what does he do in terms of team selection? I think you feel the um, same side you did against fucking what, Shrewsbury in the first leg, a weakened side, but not your first team. Yeah. But what happens if they've got a game? Are they going to play the women's <laughs> side? Okay, now. Can I come out now, Ben? <laughs> yeah, you're out. <laughs> That's well worth it. <laughs> Like, <laughs> so like, I think that's what I think that's what he's gonna. I don't think he'll ever play a full front side until he reaches the final. Maybe even then, a debate. Maybe it's semis. No, maybe. Well, it's got to be semi-finals. Realize that they've won the Premier League by then. That's what it depends on. And now they can focus on it. It's got to be said if we do beat Chelsea with that weakened side. Then that's great. But if if we put out a weekend side against Chelsea, we will oh, get beat. Because you've got to remember, we we played them in the league early, early on this season, and we played them in the Super Cup, and both times we won, but we did not deserve to at all. A lot of them, um, yeah. We were outplayed. Um, so if we put out a weekend side against Chelsea, they're going to be out for revenge for one. Um, Stop the treble. That's still and you know <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're that bothered about that. They just want to win their own games. Chelsea are too much of a big club to have that small club mentality of, well, we would have stopped Liverpool doing this. They just want to do their own thing. They're still in the hunt for uh, for silverware. Frank Lampard notably doesn't have any in his in his cabinet so far. So, um, you know, he, I'm sure he'd love to get his hands on his first bit of Chelsea yeah, trophy as manager. I mean, especially being the... Well, regardless though, man. I don't know. Like I say, I don't, uh, that's what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to play a weekend side, you're going to get beat, and then Jürgen Klopp's just going to go, well, realistically, I never wanted to win it, and everyone's going to go, yeah, fair enough, he's shown that. That's what I think is going to happen. Quite possibly. Um, the, the question is as well, because say we do get through, we're a few weeks down the line, and the league's looking closer to being wrapped up. And we've, say hypothetically, we get through against Atletico Madrid. We're probably looking at a like a, a game at some point down the line between us and City, their semi-final of the Champions League potentially, or uh, Real Madrid, something like that. Do you want to be going on into the later stages of the FA Cup when you've got those competitions at heart? No, probably not really not. Oh, and like, and to be fair, like I say, Jürgen Klopp has shown multiple times he does not want to be in this competition, but yet you keep getting through. Yeah. So like it's an inconvenience. Yeah. Because like, you know, let's face it, the Premier League is the pinnacle from that's what they need. Like last season they would have took the Premier League off you over the Champions League. That's what they need to win. They need to cement that first. That's their priority, I think. 
Mm. And, and for me, like... It'll get that hoodoo off their back. That's what they want. Yeah, just that, getting that monkey of never winning the Premier League off the back, that'll be a big thing, obviously. And it's always been a big thing. Yeah. Like, it's what everyone harps on about it. Like, whenever you have a conversation with a Liverpool fan and you get to the banter, say, if we give each other shit about it, everyone goes, not won the Premier League, though. It is, because let's face it, they've won the Champions League, what, four or five times? Yeah. They'd rather, they'd rather win the Premier League. They've already won the Champions League. Like, so, for me, like it's always going to be like depending on whether or not they've won the Prem, yeah. And like I say, well, I don't know if... See, for me, would it be like kind of like a... I don't want to say, but like a dick move from top because of how he's been with the FA Cup to start saying, oh, now I care about it. Mm, not I mean, really. In it? Like, because he's shown no respect towards that competition at all. all see, I, I mean, it's difficult because in the early rounds... You, you generally get most teams will put out or change side. Yeah. If Everton had been playing anybody else other than Liverpool in the third round, I reckon they would have probably put out a weakened side as well. But because it's Liverpool Anfield, and maybe there might have been some sort of idea of because our team selection, they thought they were going to change it up so that they could jump in so that they could win it. And maybe they had some younger kids that were ready to go out and do whatever they need to do anyway. Right. It's. And then in that. In that first round against Shrewsbury, that first leg against Shrewsbury, it, it wasn't being disrespectful there. Then, I mean, that, that that's about right, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's fair enough. The disrespect comes in the replay. And he tried to win it. He put, you know, he started with Divock Origi and, you know, other strong players and stuff like that. And then he bought in players like Salah and Bobby to try and get the game won as well. Which is fair enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, the... and I accept that. It was a strong scene the first leg. Second leg, I don't even care that they played the under 16 from what, whatever they played. Fucking average age of 19, I think that squad was, anyway, unreal. Like, and I don't care that they played that squad. My main issue was the year in club actually not even being there. Like, it just showed you a, yeah, a that, lot of disrespect. That's the. Yeah, that's a bone of contention for me as well, to be fair. And I love Jurgen Klopp. He can't do too much wrong in my eyes. But for him, for me, he's not the one in need of a winter break. The players absolutely need a winter break. I completely stood behind that decision to do that. I, I got it. Especially with, like I said to you, the fact that at the bare minimum, we've got a Champions League game against Athletic, two, two Champions League games against Atletico Madrid yeah. to worry about, and a league running for the, you know, possibly the first league title in 30 and years. Those are completely understandable decisions. Those are completely understandable decisions. Because whether we like to admit it or not, the FA Cup is not as important no. anymore. Not to anyone, really, apart from City. Uh, apart from a team that maybe um, might finish out the top six, you have a chance at a Europa Cup. But he maybe should have been there. I feel like he should have been there. Like, been like, there. For me, I think there's no doubt about it, in my opinion, that he should have been there. Like, I don't... I, don't... I mean, it will, split the, it will split opinion, because some people will also say that managing a club can be stressful. Um, especially every club. <laughs> not exactly... <laughs> he, you know, he's not exactly the sort of manager to sit there... You know, you see him on the sideline, he heads oh, every yeah, ball, he chases I, every ball I with them. That, you know I mean? It can be like um, a mentally exhausting tack. I'm not sitting here and saying being a manager is easy at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, you know, in the sense of you turn up for 90 minutes, like you, you, you might maybe just sit on the bench and let your assistant do it, but at least be there. Yeah, yeah, I can't really yeah. disagree with that, to be honest. Um, right, so I think we're going to move on now and we're going to have a little break. Um, and after that, we're going to do a little bit about Arsenal's season. Uh, we've had a post on our Facebook page, hashtag on the edge, um, regarding that. And then we're going to finish uh, with a little competition of who can convince me of their most influential signing. Okay, so we're back with On the Edge. And we, before the break, we spoke a little bit about going to talk about Arsenal's season. Um, now, we've had a question regarding Arsenal's season from uh, our very own Ali Jennings, uh, who has said that Arsenal, six wins out of 25 Premier League games. I never quite realised how poor they have been. What is going on? What needs to change? Um, is it the the decade-long troubles of Arsenal need a decent centre-half? And before the arrival of Czech, was it Arsenal need a decent goalkeeper? What's happening at Arsenal, boys? What do you think? Uh, I think, personally, right now with Arsenal, I don't know what it is, but 
I think it's also um, I, th- I think it's more of a fact that we've lost such a big manager in Arsenal Wenger the same way I hate to compare it to United but it's the only thing I've got to compare it to the way United lost at Alex Ferguson I think it's more of a don't you don't know how good you've got it till you've lost it and I feel like that's come as a big shock to a lot of Arsenal fans themselves and how poor they actually are and how good Arsenal made them play like because they had it Emery Can is it's not a bad manager. Emery, 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 Emery not Emery Can, but Unai Emery. <laughs> I wondered where the fuck you were going with that then. <laughs> Unai Emery, sorry. He's not a bad manager like at all, is he? Like he's a good manager. Like and he, he won the he, he won the Europa League a number of times, didn't he? Yeah, so he's like he 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 could do could have done bits, but didn't. And now they've got Arteta, and I think Arteta's got the same sort of job as Ollie in the sense of getting rid of the dead wood. As an as as an Arsenal like favourite, where not a lot of Arsenal fans will turn on him, so he'll have more time to maybe get rid of some dead wood, bring in some of his own ideas, and maybe then they might kick on. Because that defence need just deconstructing for one. Ezo needs fucking hanging. <laughs> I think mean, how have you only lost? How have you only won six when you've got? Aubameyang and Lacazette up front for fuck's sake Lacazette can't score in a brothel at the minute he's fucking gone right shit like, it seems to be for me Matt I know I need to start ahead of Lacazette like, he's, yeah he's he's brilliant. he's been bloody brilliant but like a lot of people kick off by because Lacazette was one of their big names and everyone was like oh yeah. you know we've got Lacazette now we're going to be great and in reality he's done not Great, he's not done good. Like, eh. it's a little bit harsh. He's not been awful, um, but he, has but it's not been. Great. He's definitely gone off the boil. Um, the other thing that's a little bit harsh is Arsenal turned the corner in the fact that they haven't lost in the last five. They've not lost too many since Arteta has been in. Players do seem to be playing a bit more for Arsenal. They're just perhaps missing that killer touch a little bit, which makes it surprising that they didn't really go in for anything in in January. But maybe yeah, Arteta is kind of that school of manager that you know you need a tra- you need a, a preseason to work with somebody to get his methods in, and he's not really going to have a chance with that. You know, he doesn't want to wait until the end of February before a player that he brings in in January can start producing. Um, well, we have trained with uh, Pep Guardiola, and Pep Guardiola is not known to go into the transfer market on January, so maybe that okay. Um, but yeah, there's there's big problems at Arsenal for sure. Um, a lot of people point fingers at the owners. Um, difficult to disagree with. When I mean, the thing that the transfer window this summer really baffled me because they spent most of the transfer window going, Oh, we've only got 40 million. And then they went to 72 on Nicholas fucking Pepe. And to be fair, we probably all thought that was a bit of business because, again, he's fantastic yeah. on football manager. He's great on FIFA. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> none of us, if you're going to be honest, you know, we don't watch French football. Um, no, it's one of the only leagues I don't watch. But it's not a signing that's worked out, I think it's fair to say. Definitely. Um, and th- That's saying it lightly. Well, yeah, but that 72 million is something that should have been invested somewhere else in the squad. As Ali touched on on his post um, on the Facebook page, you know, they've needed a decent set and a half for years. They went and got David Luiz. Um, <laughs> uh, on free, I think in the podcast, but there was David Louise or Gary Cahill available at the time. Okay, I'd take 100% all day long because, day, yeah, knowledge. You know I mean, and he's experienced and he gets everybody going. Where is right, Gary Cahill? Anyway, is that a pen side? Where's Gary Cahill at? I forgot. Palace, Palace, Palace. Well, no, it's not that. He's not doing well there. It's just the Palace have hit a bit of a bad patch. No win in the last that's five, the last three. But that's, yeah, that's not Gary Cahill's fault that they play Christian Benteke up front. I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you mean? It's a Liverpool legend, Ben. He's not a Liverpool legend. He scored one fucking goal. <laughs> one goal. <laughs> one of that overhead kick against United. Yeah, fucking loved it. <laughs> I bet you did. It. But we still lost that fucking game, didn't we? Yeah. Thank fuck. Can't fuck them all, though. Bullshit. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, 
With Arsenal, like I say, I feel they need to dismantle that whole back four. And to be honest, I still think they need another keeper. Leno has not done what a good... He's not shown as good as he is at all. I don't in know. Germany, I feel like Germany, they've, got priority. they've got priorities that they need to take care of. And I think goalkeeper is quite a way down the list because I think Leno has done a good job. If you look at the amount of clean sheets he's got versus the amount of fucking shots he's actually faced, especially at the start of the season... I don't think I think he's like the third busiest keeper in a season overall, and until recently he was the busiest keeper in the season in terms he of shots. Flaps a lot though to me. Like he seems not as a composed keeper. He flaps that like falls in and stuff. Um, like, I don't know. Like if that would be like I've seen that, but you might be right. But I still think that Arsenal's biggest problems. I mean, if you look at the squad throughout the squad, okay, aside from our disagreement about Leno, you probably say that only Bellerin is probably up to Premier League standard and Tierney might be able to get there. Tierney, yeah, I feel Tierney's one for the future. Tierney wasn't signed to be a fair team player, I don't think. No. Um, but, and then so, in the midfield, what have they got, really? Um, how is Xhaka still at that club? Exactly. <laughs> like, right now, like, how is Xhaka still at that club? I cannot believe it. Gwendouzi's fairly average. I don't mind him. He's, he's responsible for a lot of the stuff that Arsenal are good for, but... He, he is a pretty average player. Um, Ozil's just... Ozil. Yeah, It's just his head. His head. He doesn't want to be there because when he does want to be there, he's class. There's no argument with that. He had a good couple of games, didn't he, when... Uh, Arteta first came know, in. Yeah, Arteta first came in. And, uh, but I think it's interesting. Nothing well, ever since. Um, if he's going to find another gear... Um, if if he does eventually leave, or if it's just that football's moved on and cams don't really, they're not really effective anymore, just in that ten I mean, role. Um, look at Ericsson in that sense as well. I, like, well, exactly. I had this argument with Phil at the start of the season about um, Ericsson at Spurs, and I was like, he's so crucial to everything they do. But he was like, football's moved on. He was like, look at the best teams in the world. Well, like the best teams in the league, he, this was his comments, the best teams in the league at the end of last season were Liverpool and City. And even though City have got two players who can play in Cam and are fucking awesome yeah. of uh, David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne, they don't play as Cams. They yeah, play, the play in a deeper role. Yeah, the you know what? He's got a good point there because look at Coutinho, he got shipped out from Barca, didn't he? And he was a number 10. Yeah, but now but now he's playing on the left wing for Bayern Munich and he's smashing it again. Yeah, he's not. Oh, he did all right. He's doing all right. Mm. Apparently, they don't want him permanently. Oh, yeah. though. They've got an option to sign him permanently, and it's been reported that they've got no interest in signing him after the after the uh, loan deal. Is that by sports bible? No, no, but it's <laughs> sources. All right, <laughs> good. I can't um, wait a minute, but. <laughs> I think I heard it on TalkSport. I don't know who their source was, but I, I generally tend to trust them. Fucking TalkSport? Um, yeah, to be honest, some of the journalists aren't bad. Some of them are arseholes, but some of them aren't too bad. Yeah, and, and like, um, but yeah, like, anyway, back into like the Cam situation. Yeah, I, to be fair, I do agree because like, De Bruyne plays central midfield on the right-hand side. You've got, yeah. like, you've got teams that don't play with Cam's anymore. Especially like Barcelona play a four three three, Real Madrid play a four three three. They're like, there's no cams anymore. So maybe there might be a point in there saying the cam is now becoming like a dead role in Exactly, and if that is the case in the way that football is at the minute, and that that, that being how it is, where does it go for Özil? Because he doesn't work hard enough to play as a deeper line central midfielder, does he? No, like um, enough yet. If if the cam becomes a dead role, I feel like Özil's career is done. Like no matter how old he is at this point. Maybe a championship side if he wants to take a pay cut. Yeah, right. Yeah, like he's gonna pay get a pay cut. That is a fucking absolutely shambolic shout. And I'm afraid you're gonna complete the trio now. You're gonna have to go to the shame corner, Alan. Why wait? <laughs> that is awful. Have a word for yourself, will you? No Prem side's <laughs> gonna take him. No Prem side would probably take him, but that doesn't but mean he wouldn't get a move overseas, you fucking absolute festering bungle. I don't see what Name the side to go into then. Yeah, but is also really going to drop from like four hundred. I never said he would. I said I said his career would be done. I said if he wants to carry on playing football. No, he'll just go to China <laughs> or something or America. China can't anymore. They've got wage well, restrictions. Maybe America. 
Maybe. Even, do you know what? I reckon Real Madrid would steep for him again. You think? I'd had Sanity by the Wolves. Or PSG, maybe. PSG love an over-the-top yeah. fucking marquee signing, don't they? Oh, you PSG, yeah, I can see. Yeah, fair enough. PSG, I'll have my hands up then. Yeah, fair enough. Juventus is a good shout, actually, because Cristiano Ronaldo famously was really, really upset when Ozil left Real Madrid in the first place because he loved playing with him. And Ronaldo, you've got to imagine, holds all the keys at Juventus nowadays. Yeah, um, the reason why he'd liked him at fucking Real Madrid is because he never got far enough forward to score, so he always passed it to him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because he was never far enough back that he, he couldn't pass to him because he was very, very good at assisting Ronaldo. He was, yeah. It's easy now because he looks, he looks shit now, but back then he was class. Yeah. PSG is about the only big side I can see years will go into. It's definitely PSG, uh, UV, isn't it? Maybe one of the Milans might go in for him, actually, now. Yeah, into like everybody else's dead weight, don't they? Yeah. Well, you say that, the <laughs> pack is having a stormer. Well, that's the thing. It's starting after young every game as well, for fuck's sake. You can't be doing fucking... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to win like... fucking trophies at Inter Milan. <laughs> instead of that old. Quality. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to win trophies at United, get a transfer to Inter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what though we're going we're gonna to wrap, wrap up this point we're going to move on in a second but my last bit on that and I touched on it in the podcast last week Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's recent quote Alexis Sanchez is going to come back and he's going to oh, prove no. you wrong well, <laughs> no, if, he, if he even gets in our stand I'm fucking I'm done man if he, oh, don't, don't that's, do that's committed to recording as well so I can laugh about that now but if he comes back and does start smashing it for Man United I'll have a bit of egg on my face because it'll be there for the whole of the world to see well poor <laughs> listeners hey <laughs> growing okay. this is growing <laughs> so anyway as I said, we're going to wrap up and we're going to move on now. Uh, I gave you, Gaggle of Cunts, uh, a little bit of homework. And so... <laughs> I, set time limit. <laughs> I set a time limit, but we're doing all right for time. So I just want you to each present me with an argument for who you think the most influential signing of the Premier League has been and your reasons for why. And then I'll decide on a winner. Mm. And the winner gets fuck all. Okay. And um, I'm going to throw right. it to Niall first. All right. Have we, got, have we just got a minute to say it, have we? Nah, just got, we're, we're good for time. Just, just, just spurt it out. Go on. Please have it, mine. My pick has won the League Cup four times. He has won two Young Player of the Year awards and one Premier League Player of the Year award. I guess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's won one FA Cup and one Europa League title. This man has five Premier League. I think we've lost you. Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah. We've lost him. Was that just the end of your argument? <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, mate. Yeah, just now we can. Five Premier yeah, League. Yeah. Where, what did you wear to? Premier League. Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and he's won. He's probably wrote up a speech. This man has won five Premier League medals to his name, and his Champions League winner costing a fee of thirty-three million back in two thousand and four. That young man went on to have an illustrious thirteen-year career at Manchester United. That man is Wayne Rooney, most certainly a massively influential signing. Already at a Premier Club at Everton, no? Right. Okay. Well, let's move on anyway. Uh, Alan. <laughs> Me, I'm going with Sun for Tottenham. He he huh? brought the Korean market forward. Well, South Korean market, obviously not Korean. I'll have to watch anything. Um, South Korean market forward in in the English game got them interested, and like it, it done brilliantly there as well. Like he's not been a bad player. I think for me, in the terms of commercially and like just as a grace, forward movement for a Korean getting a Premier League into the Korean market. I think Sun for me takes that. Okay, and then Jake. Well, I, I've got two, and they, 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 they kind of come under the same category. Now, they both played for Leicester City. Um, so you've got N'Golo Kante and Riyad Mahrez. Now, the reason behind that is because 
of how much they actually spent on those two players, it kind of opened people's eyes on, look, you don't have to buy superstars to have superstars. You, you could go down and look at Spanish, the French League 2 and pick out an absolute world beater, which Kante was. And so was Riyad Mahrez. Is, to be fair, but yeah. Yeah. So that's my argument. It's a good job I didn't set you a time limit of a minute. I was, that was a very short argument. Well, there's only really so much you can talk about. Oh, it's, it's they've both been Premier League winners. I think the most compelling argument for any of those players, I mean, the argument wasn't any good, but I think the, I'd probably more, be more inclined to agree with Angolo Kante as most influential and the reason for this is is being Rooney was an absolutely fantastic player for United captain leader and he was an example of professionalism of what you know people expect as the United way but he came into an absolutely top top class United team surrounded by really genuine top class pros and played with really top class United teams pretty much until he left Um, tailed off a little bit at the end but yeah. that's just because he just didn't have anything left in his legs. Uh, Hyungmin Son has been is a good choice because he's, um, you know, like for all the reasons that you said about uh, the Korean market that they bought in at Spurs, which obviously going to churn a lot of money. Um, and he's a great, great player. He just hasn't really achieved anything. So to say he's the most in- influential signing that Spurs have made, when Spurs have even signed Gareth Bale in the past. Um, and Before yeah. Gareth Bale wasn't fucking well household name though. No, but my point is that's that's exactly my point. They signed him and he became a household name mm. and won more like won games in the Champions League for them single handedly. And how many times did he drug them kicking and screaming through like games at Spurs yeah, no. in the league as well? I don't even I don't think Son is the most influential signing Spurs have ever had, let alone the most influential signing in the Premier League. But I do agree with the Angolo Kante argument. Not so much Riyad Mahrez, because although he was class and he did come from a low-down team and everybody seems to forget that, um, you know, I think maybe Angolo Kante went to Leicester, won the league, went to Chelsea, and another team that at the time looked a million miles away from winning the league and went and won it there as well. Um, oh, yeah. He, In terms of... The word influential is the main reason that I choose that. Mm-hmm. Although Marad has been absolutely genuinely top class, I think he is massively underrated by a majority of Premier League fans. And Gareth Kante is just absolutely, completely different gravy. So I'm going to give that imaginary point to Jake. Um, whoop, whoop. Who would your answer be? I didn't. I, I'll tell you one thing: why I didn't choose like anybody <laughs> like that as well. I didn't. I didn't choose anybody who signed from a Prem side to a Prem side as well. I thought. I thought. Well, Angolo Kante was obviously signed from a French. I know, yeah, fair enough. I'm, not, I'm, t- I'm, 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 I'm on about your point with Gareth Bale and stuff like that. So, but, you know, um, well, he got Bale from Southampton and they weren't in the Premier League when they bought him, were they? Yeah. I don't think he was. I don't think they were. No. And they got promoted that season. No, know, I'm sorry. sure they didn't. No, I don't yeah. think that's right. We'll check it anyway. We'll do that off air. <laughs> yeah. um, my <laughs> argument probably would have been for Dennis Bergkamp. Just in terms of, or David Silver, um, just in terms of the fact that they changed the way football was played, both at a club and sort of in amongst a league. I mean, David yeah. Silver and Juan Mata both sort of came into the Premier League at the same sort of time, both from Valencia, um, and both kind of reinvented the 10 role that everybody tried. I mean, until recently, like we just discussed, yeah, everybody replicated. Um, but Dennis Bergkamp changed the way football was played just generally. I mean, Arsene Wenger overall changed it amongst his whole team. But Dennis Bergkamp changed everything in terms of technique, flair, um, and just the way he went about things. It was such a big change on the league that I think that there's probably nothing that um, nothing that parallels that, I don't think. David Silver, in terms of his service to the club, when you look at what City were when David Silver came in, or Vincent Company, even when they, if you look at what they were when they came in to when they left, yeah. and they've just absolutely class every game since then. Um, but all right, yeah, I agree with Dennis Faircamp too. I think Dennis Faircamp was a, is a 
great shout for that. Actually. Yeah, but I was the judge, so I can't give it to myself. So, <laughs> fair enough. Um, so I think we're going to wrap it up with that one, then, gents. Um, thank you for joining us and listening to us ramble on. Uh, if you haven't already, feel free to give us a like or subscribe. You can always jump at hashtag on the edge Facebook page and let us know what you think about what we've discussed today, or what you want us to discuss going forward. You can find the page, alternatively, that brought us all together, which is Football Manager Debate. It's a specialised football uh, manager Facebook page, bringing you all things football manager related and beyond. We've got chances to win copies of the game for the 2021 version. There's loads of tactical hints and tips and loads of mini games and lots of stuff to get involved in. So please do come along. Good evening, gents. Cheers, Ben. Cheers. Cheers.